Africa's population is surging and also shifting to cities. That means there's a need for projects, especially in infrastructure. And it also shines a spotlight on a new generation of Africans tasked with turning those projects into reality. I think human capital has also grown a lot in Africa and in Kenya, whereby if you compare this to some years back when such infrastructure projects were happening, then you would expect a lot of expertise coming from outside that is reducing. And we are seeing more and more Kenyans and or other Africans, even in the, in the continent, taking up positions and, uh, like of project managers or project leads in development of this project. The world is changing fast, and every day, project professionals are turning ideas into reality, delivering value to their organizations and society as a whole. On Projectified, we'll help you stay on top of the trends and see what's ahead for the project economy and your career. This is Projectified. I'm Steve Hendershot. Something stands out in the United Nations list of the world's 15 fastest-growing cities. They're all in sub-Saharan Africa, all 15. As we've seen in PMI's Signposts report, those numbers speak to rapid urbanization as well as overall population growth and places some strain and pressure on African governments to build out infrastructure capable of supporting this transforming populace. That means projects, and lots of them. Tanzania alone has 30 state-run infrastructure projects underway in addition to lots of private sector activity. Many of these are big, risky investments, both in terms of profit and loss, and also related to the limited window of opportunity that these nations have to translate a surging young population into a brighter economic future. In February 2020, Dangote Group, a multinational industrial conglomerate in Nigeria, became the first African company to join the PMI Global Executive Council. Today, we'll focus on the other side of the continent as we talk to project leaders from two of East Africa's key markets. Let's welcome Bula Boma, head of the Commercial Project Management Office for MIC Tanzania, a mobile telecom provider that operates under the brand name Tigo. Bula is in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania's largest city. Bula, how would you describe the project climate in Tanzania, specifically in terms of the balance between supporting the country's more traditional rural economy and then the pressures of urbanization? Our economy is mainly driven by agriculture, which is contributing about 70% of um, employment to the entire population and 25% of the GDP in the country. But agriculture has been driving the economy since the independence. But going forward over the past years and as we keep going in order to drive the economy, it's not just agriculture, but it's being supplemented by the government's agenda to promote industry and in order to grow the economy. Hence, the upcoming projects in infrastructure and oil and gas. We're also seeing a rise in the private sector. The main sectors that are rising in private sector are telecommunication and also banking. But there's also a growth in SMEs, which are small and medium enterprises. These are also coming up with the growing younger population. On the infrastructural side, we have projects that are long-term and ongoing that are all facilitating the industrialization agenda that the government is currently pushing. One of them is the standard gauge. This is an electrically powered railway project that is intended to connect the eastern and central 
African countries, mostly aiming to aid in the transportation of goods so that we actually move into the industrialization side of things. And then we've also got projects that are aiming to develop our ports. This is all on the transportation side, opening up our borders, opening up the borders of African countries into to be able to grow our trade and uh, industri- the industrialization agenda. Then on electricity, we've also got a few big projects that are going on. There is a hydroelectric power station. This is also aiming to be one of the largest East African power stations, which began in 2019 and it's expected to be ending in 2020. So these are just a few of uh, the big ongoing infrastructural projects that are being embarked on right now by the government, but also funded by donors as well. It's a lot of really large project activity in a not enormous country, you know, undertaken by this administration. And obviously they've made that a hallmark, but are there challenges keeping all of those projects sort of organized and and moving forward, just given the, the volume of what's going on? Yeah, given the volume, also given the nature of our economy, yes, there are a number of uh, challenges, but the biggest one being funding, I would say, because most of these projects are infrastructural projects are funded by the government, but they're also dependent on different sorts of financing and donor investments. So they sometimes take a lot longer that they, than they're expected to because of the funding issue. But in terms of project management as well, I would say being a developing country that is now upcoming and rising, project management is also in an infant stage. Most of these projects are mostly conducted by experts in their specific fields rather than project managers who have a lot of other skills. So we also have that challenge of project management as a profession being in an infant stage and not really being recognized as a profession that would add value rather than experts in that subject matter, say engineers in engineering or urban planners in the growth of cities and the like. Describe that process. How have you made the case that a trained project leader is able to bring some needed skills and expertise that, say, a senior engineer may not have? And what's been the reception? So right now and going forward, we are seeing a rise in terms of awareness and relevance of project management and the rest of the industries, including the government, is also catching up. So me as a project management practitioner who is actually also now involved with the PMI chapter as one of the board of directors, we're all working towards steering that change and creating the awareness of how actually project management would help drive the delivery and disseminate the best practices all in an effort to drive the delivery of these projects. That awareness is slowly picking up, although it's still very infants. We're seeing its spike in the growth of uh, SMEs as well. And with these upcoming smaller organizations, smaller uh, institutions, they're also 
a lot more open to receiving such professional credentials because they're seeing the importance in execution of such projects because there's a lot of big and smaller projects that um, are under execution right now. So we're working and everybody's doing their part, including myself, to at least promote the awareness of project management, best practices, and actually credentials as well. There's also smaller organizations that are coming up who lack processes and building uh, the awareness and importance of building frameworks in order to tie the objectives of their companies to to actual action plans and delivery of their projects as well. We're seeing the creation of awareness is improving. People are getting more aware. Organizations are now more aware and we're also working together with them to improve their awareness and at least instill the importance of the whole project management uh, profession and the relevance of actually successfully running projects and the benefits management as well. Another historical piece when it comes to African infrastructure projects is that often they've been both funded and led by business interests from beyond Africa. This latest wave of projects demands more innovation and tech and has featured more African leadership. And when there is a foreign entity involved, as in the case of the huge seaport that a Chinese firm has been pushing to build in Dar es Salaam, African governments are sometimes holding out for better terms. Projectified's Hannah Schmidt spoke to Sheila Kareme, a senior program coordinator in Nairobi, Kenya, with KFW Development Bank. KFW undertakes projects in developing countries on behalf of the German government, and Sheila leads some of those projects in the water, sanitation, and transportation sectors. Most of the projects now, everyone is asking, what is innovative about it? Uh, always I see government people asking us about projects. What is innovative about this project? What technology can we bring to make it more cost-effective, efficient? So we're going to see data, innovation, and technology really taking a center stage in this decade and, and the next decade when our projects are done. People need to be well-informed, so there's going to be a lot of preparation before a project is selected and prioritized because of what we are seeing in climate change and, and people becoming more aware of the need to manage our environment in a sustainable way. Sustainability is becoming very central into what is happening now in, in the infrastructure investments that are these projects are harmful to the environment or not? And if they are, what are the mitigation measures? So sustainability is a whole it's, it's also another game changer. And of course, we have enlightened and empowered citizens who are also want to know what is happening. They want to be engaged in food and they want accountability. What do you think we're going to be seeing in maybe the more water and sanitation side of infrastructure? You're going to see a lot of investments that are more resilient to climate change and more adaptable to climate change. Because then uh, natural resources are becoming scarce, for example, uh, water sources and water resources are becoming scarce. So I think there's going to be a lot of link to climate and infrastructure investments that are resilient to to the, the climatic conditions and the changes that are happening. Let's talk about some specific projects that you've worked on. So you're currently working on a pipeline project in Nairobi. Can you tell me about that a little bit and how it got started? 
Yeah, actually, the water supply project bringing in three different financiers, and this is the World Bank, the French uh, Development Agency, and of course KFW. And it's an interesting project because then it, it it has what we call the Northern Collector Tunnel, where where water is collected uh, when it rains, and then from another region, uh, Mount Kenya region, and the and the water then has to be delivered all the way to Nairobi. So it is quite an interesting project that is bringing three financiers together to finance a project, each with their own scope. For example, the, the World Bank is financing the, 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 the tunnel itself, or rather the reservoir, if I may put it in easier terms, while the French then are financing part of the pipeline and the treatment, and KFW then we are financing the final uh, pipes that are coming to the city. With a couple different financiers, there sounds like, to me, a lot of coordination between different parts of the project. Exactly. Yes, yes. It was quite a difficult project because citizens are raising a lot of environmental issues. It was a project that was quite politicized, so it was challenging. But uh, I'm happy that all this was overcome because, of course, before such a project is carried out, there are a lot of environmental studies that are done just to make sure that the project meets all the environmental safeguards uh, set by, by the banks. So this project was foreseen to bring about 180 million liters of water to the capital city. So this project was supposed to be completed in 2017. And now we think it will be completed in 2022 because of so many other issues that have come up. First and foremost is that the costs of the project have gone up more than it was it, it was expected. And of course, the costs have gone up because of the many delays that have been experienced. There are quite a number of environmental challenges that we are still facing on the project with a lot of resettlement issues coming into play. So the project has taken on and it is even more challenging because that when this project has now delayed and we have to keep on extending because this, this is a loan to the government of Kenya. We have to keep on st- extending our credit lines. For example, the KFW financing was to expire in 2017 and so the government of Kenya had to ask for an extension so that we are able to complete the project. And of course, such an extension comes at a cost. So far, the project is not complete. And from where I sit, now I give it until 2022. The government says they're able to complete to complete it by end of 2020, which is not realistic. However, the KFW financed uh, pipeline could be complete by end of 2020. But what is financed by by perhaps the World Bank because it's a huge project and, and the, the reservoir then that that could go beyond uh, 2020. So how do you overcome challenges in a project like this? Like you said before, uh, it's a lot of coordination. It's a lot of engagement with with government. So it, it's basically um trying to get uh, meetings with the highest level that we can of the minister and into, for example, minister of planning or finance whereby we tell them of, of, of the consequences of further delays because definitely further delays will lead to higher costs and that is not very good. And also citizens demanding that this project has been ongoing for like maybe seven years, eight years. Why is it, why is it not getting complete? So um, it's a lot of coordination. It's a lot of sitting with government and trying to lobby to see if, if they can make it a priority and be able to lock these things. What's one piece of advice you wish you had when you started out? I think it's always difficult to reconcile theory and practical. I mean, in school, you learn all these things. But then when you come to now practice, you realize, oh, practice is, is, is a bit difficult from, from theory. Theory is what you're taught uh, in the book. But then you come and you find that uh, things are 
kind of different on the ground. And I keep on saying as a project manager, no matter how much I know, especially when you're working in the public sector, you may you may plan your project thoroughly and we try to do that as much as possible. We want to get all our facts right. We want to have all the data, all the information. We want to make an informed decision. And when implementation starts, then you realize that so many other things that were not foreseen and that are uh, out of your control come into play and, and they really lead into considerable project delays. So like in some of my projects, when I look back, I say, what is it that, that I should have done better? For example, in that in that Nairobi project, perhaps if we knew that, that, that this project would lead to such big delays, then we may have not financed this pipeline until uh, we say that, look, until the part that is financed by the World Bank is ready, and then we can finance our part. So at times, if, if we are able to know, to predict some of these things, then we can make better decisions. But again, we move ahead with projects with a lot of optimism and, and looking forward to great projects, not knowing that things can crop up later. In Africa, we've got a new generation of project leaders, a new recognition of the value of trained professional project leadership, and a new wave of projects designed to propel some of the world's fastest-growing cities toward long-term health and sustainable economic growth. These project professionals are applying tested techniques and doing so in circumstances that often require an ability to adapt and improvise. That's a big deal as they navigate unique and challenging circumstances on projects where success will help lay the groundwork for a critical era of growth. Thanks for listening to Projectified. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review. We'd love your feedback. To hear more episodes of Projectified, visit Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or head to pmi.org podcast.